what do you think was missing in that training buildup that caused you to feel the way that you did that our audience can learn from as they go about their future training journeys? Respect for the distance. Now, not just respect, I've got to run 26.2. No, 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 no. You have to build up to it or else things will hurt. Can you complete a marathon? You know, running, tapering up and then, sure, sure you can, absolutely, absolutely. But you'll run better if you taper up and get those long miles. I'm sure there are plenty of other people that have other reasons for that, but my main reason for that is your body's not used to the pounding that it's going to take if you don't run those distances. Hello, and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number 95. I'm Bertrand, head coach of Race Mob and founder of Too Legit Fitness. I'm joined by my dear friend, Kevin, entrepreneur, technology and fitness nerd, and founder of Race Mob. We're joined by Jimmy Q. Yes, that Jimmy Q. If you're looking for some motivation, inspiration, and focus to help fight all those common excuses that we're too busy, too tired, then this episode is for you. Listen to JQ share with his humorous and engaging personality, lots of straight, no-nonsense talk on the building blocks that made him an athlete that he is today and the art of optimizing strength training and running, fueling him to multiple marathon and ultra-marathon finishes. He shares some of his most challenging moments in the midst of 100-mile races and how CBD has helped him with performance and recovery. He also opens up on the profound impact that man's best friend has had on his life that's made him an avid canine runner. Also, how a youth football experience set the tone for his toughness and grit in the years to come. All the show notes can be found online, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation as I did recording it with JQ. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Race Mob Podcast. I'm joined by my good friend, mate, and athlete, endurance athlete, Jimmy Q, who now resides in Texas by way of California. Jimmy and I, ironically, are from the same hometown, same, actually, uh, military brats by way of the Army and a Seaside High School alum. Also, I'd like to share that my co-host and good friend and the founder of Race Mob, Kevin, is not joining us as he is away tending to a funeral as his grandmother passed away. So our deepest condolences, Kevin, are with you on behalf of the entire Race Mob family. And with that said, Jimmy... How are you today, man? I'm doing good, my man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. I've been looking forward to it for a while, man. Uh, we both <laughs> yes, have. Sir. This is like my popular demand. <laughs> so, man, where do I start? For the, those, the members of our audience who may follow you on social media, but more importantly, for those people who are just getting to know you right now, let's go back to your youth, your childhood. Sure. Yeah, kind of back to your, your, your origin story. Jimmy the Superhero. Tell <laughs> us about you as a youth growing up and then how you found sports and we'll kind of start from there yeah so so with me i always uh, i had older brothers right small smallest i was always the smallest but they lifted weights and so that gave me a path to start lifting weights and so if you want to go back to when i first started working out before i started running obviously it was fourth grade fifth grade into the sixth middle school into high school and what i would do is back in the 90s we had sitcoms. What I would do, I'd be watching Home Improvement, Fresh, Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that type of stuff, and I'd be doing my homework. Commercial would come on, cool, drop down, set of push-ups. Then I'd be go back to doing my homework when the, when the show comes back on. And then commercials, try to do sit-ups for the entire two-minute break. And that just kept it going year by year until I got a weight set. And we got a, me and my brother got a weight set and started lifting weights. And at the same time, my grandfather had moved in with us and my dad, they both loved baseball. So I started playing baseball, started following baseballs, had a love for the sport for a very long time. I still do, 
just diminished as you get older. So I would start playing baseball. And then when, when you screw up, right, go run a lap. With my, with my attitude, not attitude, but with my character, with my everything, I was running a lot of laps. <laughs> I was running a lot of laps, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. How many laps you want me to go? One, about two. And, and so that, I just always had this drive. There's always had a drive since I was a kid. And then it has obviously magnified into where it is today. Great. And how many brothers? Two older brothers. Two older brothers. Two older brothers. So they've had an influence on you. They did. Yeah. 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 When my brother was, uh, so I have two older brothers, the oldest one, he's, he was like about, it's about a six year age different, didn't live with us, different family situation, what have you. But I would show up and he had his chest. Damn, I want that chest. I want those muscles, right? I was a little kid. And then my brother, my, the one that I lived with, same bedroom, walk around with a six pack when we were kids. I'm like, I want a six pack too. So I would take those two and kind of fuel me into like that fireman. Get going, get moving. Love it. Love it. Many sports idols growing up. Now, bodybuilding is not a sport, but people call it a sport. But I mean, Arnold. How could it not be Arnold? Arnold back in the day, Stallone, <laughs> come on. But yeah, you're looking at it's mainly baseball. McGuire. McGuire with those. Thick, beefy arms, those thick thighs. Conseco, say what you want about the PEDs and everything. Hey, but the size of these men, you know, I'm 5'8", 180. They're 6'5", 250. Right. It took, right, me, right, a, right. It took me a long time to realize I was never going to be that big. But, man, I tried. I tried for a long time. I seem to recall a football story of yours. You may want to share what it was. Well, you talking about me breaking my own collarbone and saying, no, nah, I'm good with this? Well, let's hear <laughs> So <laughs> I never played football in my life, right? Other than BS, tackle football with your friends in the backyard and stuff like that, two-hand touch. And then I was six, 115, 125, freshman year. So, I mean, a big honking dude? No. No, it wasn't me. But we did have those guys. Remember Seaside, a lot of Samoans. A lot of black dudes, everybody's big. And I was, I was this little white boy, this little honky dude running around and lined up. And I was, at the time, I was, I was afraid. I was afraid to hit because I was so small. But then I realized, oh, when I did start hitting, I got a little bit more respect on, on, on the team by certain players that I was looking for respect because they were team leaders or what have you. And so anyway, so I started hitting more, hitting more. I'm like, okay, it's not that bad. Well, there's this one drill. I don't know what it's called, but it's two right in front of you. But then there's a third behind them and there's a football behind him. Cool, got to get that football. Now, what do they do? They put the two biggest dudes on the line and then a really athletic individual behind them and everybody lines up and you go, line up and go. So I line up and I'm thinking, this is my strategy. I'm like, oh, I got this. I'm gonna get that football, boy. Because one of them wasn't so big. All right, I'm gonna go head up with him. I'm gonna spin off and then I'm just gonna go as hard as I can and die for that ball. Yeah, everybody has a story. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So I went head up with the first. I did my spin move. Ooh, looking so smooth. They're probably, it's probably about 2.30 at the time. The other dude said, cool, I like what you're doing. I'm going to ruin your plan. Came around the back and just laid me out. And you remember Charlie Brown? Yep. When he would spin, <laughs> shoes would come off. That's pretty much what happened to me. Broke my collarbone, so I went from here to here. Stayed in the skin, which was nice. Now, this will get into how I am today, later on in the conversation, I'm sure. I was done playing for the day, cool. Went home. My dad was bowling, so I called him up to say, you know, like something happened in football. I need to see a doctor. Ah, just sleep it off. Just sleep it off. Go to practice tomorrow. Okay. Pain, all this pain. And so did what he told me. I did what I was told. Woke up in the morning, got ready, went to school, strapped up. Next day, first hit. Man, it hurt so bad. It hurt so bad, so I had to stop playing, right? I took a couple of them, and then it just got to the point where I had to take my pads off. So I called him again. Next night, he's bowling. He's bowling. So I called him up again. 
something's really wrong with my shoulder. Like, can, can we do something about it? You know, I'm a little, you know, ninth grade or whatever. So I might've been in tears or welling up or whatever. Try mm -hmm. not to show my weakness to my pops. He's like, fine. Comes home after bowling now, mind you. So he got his game in. Hey, good job, dad. Come <laughs> by, swooped me up, went to the doctor's on duty right there in uh, Monterey. Probably Del Monte. Anyway, it was actually across from the bowling alley, right? There. So, I mean, there you go. so it run X-rays. Run X-rays. Sure enough, I got the I got that wishbone look in my collarbone. And the doctor comes in, and I remember this clear as day. He slaps the X-rays on the table. As well, you're not a wimp. And we look, and he says, "See right here, this what's that's what's broken." He says, "See the crack right there." And he says, "So and the next thing, I got this strap on. I'm like this. My old brother's helping me get dressed in the morning. My dad's laughing at me. And it's like, oh, it's good times being a small dude." With a big heart, you know, as far as trying to play some football, but hey, take your lumps, man. So I was like, now yeah. let's go to baseball. Great story. I mean, <laughs> again, early signs of your grit and toughness and resilience. So, from what you shared with us so far, JQ, you were a strength athlete before you were a runner. Oh, yeah, yeah. Would you say? Yeah. Yep. Strength, yep. just bodybuilding. There's bodybuilders and there's people that build their body, and I would, I built my body. I, I never had to diet down and walk across the stage. That is bodybuilding. Building your body. Is doing all of that without walking across the stage, without doing the dieting, without all that stuff, right? Putting yourself through hell for those 12 weeks. No, no, I never did that. But yeah, just bodybuilding more than more than strength. I've never been a really strong guy. I've been stronger than your average dude walking down the street, but never super strong. I just don't have the bone structure for it. Well, for those of you who are just listening to this podcast and don't have the benefit of seeing the video, Jimmy's in fantastic shape. And the backdrop is his wall of fame, <laughs> medals from left to right. And that's just a, a a small slither of his running accomplishments. So let's talk about Jimmy the Runner and what piqued your interest, your first race. And maybe we'll fast forward from there to your first marathon and get into some of your other fantastic accomplishments. Yes, we want to talk about that first marathon. You don't, you, yes, you don't even do. have to. Like, you don't even have to. There's not even a big jump. I want you. Damn, you get right to it. So my running started back in about 2008, 2009. About 2009. I got a Boser on. It's a French herding dog. And this one that I have, not the, not the one that I have now, but that one previous was very dominant, very, I wouldn't say aggressive, but he held his own. He treated him with respect, right? And which means he had to be ran. He had to be moved. He had, he's a hurting dog. He's got to do something or else he'll go get violent. And so I'd wake up and I lived in an apartment too. So I needed to make sure that he was taken care of before I go to work, just like a lot of people, but especially this dog. So I'd wake up freezing, go for my runs, you know, morning after morning. So that started the running. Then uh, my girlfriend at the time had a brother, or I guess she still does have a brother, but he ran from San Jose to San Francisco. It was roughly a 50-mile stretch. So he ran that, and I thought, how did he do that? Like, how does somebody run that? How did he train? What did he do? And she says, well, he went to CrossFit. I said, okay, okay, so I want to do CrossFit too because I want to be a runner. And at the same time, I heard that there's 0.001% of people that are walking the earth that have ever completed a marathon. I thought I would love to be in that percentage, right? I'm sure it's grown now as the sport has taken off or what have you. So anyway, I thought, what? Well, I want to be a part of that. So I looked, I was like, well, what are, what? where can I find a race? Marathons in the Bay Area, San Francisco. I'm like, okay, when is it? June. It's February. How far, what's the longest distance you've ran? 3.1. And I'm having this conversation with myself. Can you do this now? So you got to go from 3.1 now. To 26.2 in four months. Good luck. And so I went down to CrossFit Moxie and they had told the head coach there, he's like, why'd you draw in blah, blah, blah. And I told him that story. He looked me up and down like, okay, ooh, should not have done that. Should not have done that. He should not have done that. And the reason for it, I, I, after 
all these accomplishments. I've, I've, you know, hey, remember that time? He looked me up and down. He always laughs. He remembers. He remembers. <laughs> I told fun. him I got four months to train for the San Francisco Marathon. I said, that's, that's my goal right now. Can, you, can we do it? He said, sure. Can I go to Moxie? Oh, I had to wake up a little bit earlier, run the dog, then go to Moxie, then go to work. And my work, never knew what time I was getting off. It was a very laborious job. Tub and towel refinishing. And then I would get off and go straight to Moxie. So I was hitting double days most days and then still had to take care of the dog and all that stuff, right? And so I was getting, I mean, who gets good sleep nowadays or any day, really? So I was getting terrible sleep. I was training, I was training, I was training. Showtime comes, June, probably 16th, 15th, somewhere there was like Father's Day, right around that time. And uh, I towed the line and then my first first race ever was the San Francisco Marathon and pulled the respect, I like to call it a respectable 432. For you to run be running a 5k um before you decided to tackle the marathon journey and have a four-month lead-up time and for you to choose arguably the hardest road marathon in the western united states or in california with san francisco with all that elevation gain and for you to run the time that you did so just to finish an accomplishment okay so 430 great job yeah great yeah. job just kind of go backwards a bit jq with your crossfit moxie trainer mm -hmm. Take us through some of those workouts. So for someone who was just running a 5K to being able to finish the San Francisco Marathon, what did those workouts look like? And what was your training? What kind of fitness were you in at that stage before you embarked on that short marathon training? So it was a lot of, it was mainly body. So I was new to CrossFit and new to CrossFit Endurance. CrossFit Endurance is separate from CrossFit. You have your CrossFit, your barbell works, your, your pull-ups, your kettlebells, all that, right? All that's CrossFit. Now CrossFit Endurance is a lot of sprint work. So raise that threshold and then lower it, and then raise it again, and lower it, and just keep pulling that elastic, that rubber band, and making it bigger and bigger. And that's what we did. So it was a lot of sprint work. And put it this way, I did not run over eight miles. Yeah, there was no long, there was no long runs. There was nothing, there was nothing, no, no double digits, nothing like that. I didn't taper up to 20 miles and 22, didn't taper, no, no, no. It was just a lot, it was an hour, basically an hour of sprint work, resting, a lot of resting as, lo as long as it took you to do whatever it was, and then shorten the rest, shorten the rest, but run harder, keep your heart rate this, keep your heart rate that, use a metronome, all that stuff. But it never went past eight miles. And so I was doing that in the morning, then I'd go to work, and then I would do the barbell work, the snatches, the clean and jerks, the pull-ups, all of that, and then do it uh, the next day. Nothing like the first time marathon. So take us to race day. We want to take us through now audience in full disclosure. I've had this conversation with JQ before and, and we've all been there in our first, in, in some cases, first race, our first half marathon marathon, when you're running those longer distances and your body's still getting acclimated to repetitive motion, nutrition, GI issues, the importance of sodium and aid stations and cramping and all that other stuff. It's a learning experience. Ultimately, Jimmy, you finished, but take us through via your eyes on that first San Francisco Marathon journey. So when you line up with board shorts and BS running shoes that have hurt you the entire time that you were training, it's not really the best idea. And I also had, I didn't have a handheld. I was holding an Aquafina one liter bottle, you know, and carrying it basically like a football. I got a picture of me crossing the Golden Gate Bridge, basically carrying a football for a third of the race or what have you. But it was going good. I remember it going very well. Very, very well. I mean, I got into double digits and I thought, wow, I'm, I'm in double digits. This is this is great. And then about mile 18, 16, 17, 18, 18, somewhere in there, the race said, I'm glad you're having a good time. I really am. But here's the thing. This is a marathon. So we're going to take your legs and we're going to make them into telephone poles. And then, oh, your meniscus, your shock absorber. Now nah, I'm going to wipe that out too. Not one leg, both legs. 
So now I got every time I step, my knee, it just hurts because it feels like it's bone on bone at that time, right? Mm -hmm. Hamstrings lock up, quads lock up, my calves lock up, up my back a little bit locks up. And so I'm doing the as best I can, that little march march run that people do mm -hmm. back and forth on, on legs, these two little telephone poles just moving along. I call them telephone poles because I can't bend my leg anymore. Yeah. And so and I'm trying to run more so on the toes. So I'm doing this hop on the toes because you hit your heel, that's what sends a shock up to your knees, and that's what hurts. So you gotta stay away from that. But then as you're doing that, other things start to hurt because that's not your normal gait. So you got to adjust and then you got to stop it and things hurt. And the whole time you're looking at it like, I thought I'd get a sub four. I thought sub four because at the time I was watching Hell's Kitchen, Chef Gordon Ramsay. Man ran a 3.30 marathon. I'm like, oh, this guy, if this celebrity can run a thing, <laughs> I got this. I'm half his age. I'm in shape. I crossed it. Nope. 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 Looking at the time. Well, 350, 355 pacer passes me, four pacer passes me. I got miles to go, 410, 415. Luckily, the 435 or 440, whatever it was, did not pass me, but I finished. And I was with two people who did not understand the pain that runners go through after the first marathon or any race that they're in. They were like, oh, cool, you're done with the marathon. Let's go to this bar. Let's go there. Let's go walk over here. And what are we doing? Everything hurts on me. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And I wanted you to kind of open up about it because several people on this listening to this or viewing it have been in your shoes before and others that are embarking on a future half on marathon, 13.1 or 26.2, or looking at 2023 and their bucket list or goals or wants. Could that be me one day? Could I toe the line? Can I put in the work? And what can we learn through your personal experience. What would you tell, because you've done other marathons where you didn't experience the telephone pole legs and, and the discomfort and, and you've changed your shoes and nutrition, all that other stuff. What do you think was, what was missing in that training buildup that caused you to feel the way that you did that our audience can learn from as they go about their future training journeys? Respect for the distance. Now, not just respect, I've got to run 26.2. No, 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 no. You have to build up to it or else things will hurt. Can you complete a marathon? You know, running, tapering up. and Sure, sure, you can. Absolutely, absolutely. But you'll run better if you taper up and get those long miles. I'm sure there are plenty of other people that have other reasons for that. But my main reason for that is your body's not used to the pounding that it's going to take if you don't run those distances. So when you start feeling these weird pains at 16, 18, and they, by, it's not each mile, it just gets a little bit worse. No, no, no. It magnifies. So it, there's big jumps in pain from mile 20 to 22, 24, 20, and then you finish at 26. Build up to the distance and respect the distance. And while you're building up to the distance, maybe treat some of those training runs as race day. Get up at that time that you got to get up at. Eat the food that you're going to eat. Even if you don't, in my one of the biggest, eat the food even though you don't want, do not want to. Drink the drinks even though you may not want to when you wake up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever it may be. You will need it at mile 12, mile 15, 18, and so on. So respect the distance, train for the distance, but also enjoy the distance. Enjoy it. You're running a marathon. This is something that not many people, one, can do or will want to do. And there's some people that want to do it but may never be able to. You know what I mean? But if you're signed up for it and you're, you're training for it, enjoy it and enjoy it. Put a smile on your face. Hey, you're going through pain? Guess what? That person is, that person is, that person. Everybody's going through the same pain. So when you're running, don't complain about it. Have a good time with it, man. There's so much to the race 
And when you pass, people at the aid stations, don't be rude. They're giving their time. And if you can't, hey, this is a pet peeve of mine too. You get something to drink, throw it away. And if you can't, if there's no garbage cans, okay. And there's already 100 cups, okay, fine. But if you pass a garbage can, throw it away. Keep the mess down to a minimum. Best you can. Excellent advice, JQ. Wonderful nuggets from a coaching perspective, from someone who's run a handful of marathons myself. Sage advice. So continuing that same vein, what advice? Granted, you're not a nutritionist and neither am I, but we do know that in nutrition does play a role. What are some tips maybe you can give a new endurance athlete from a just a kind of baseline nutrition perspective and the importance of protein? So try not to train on an empty stomach. Because if you're training on an empty stomach, you may feel good in the beginning. And then in the end, you're going to taper out, but you're done, right? Oh, I got my seven miles in. I started to cramp. I started to get tired. But what you want, if you're going to run those seven miles, you want those seven miles to be full, real. And so if you need the fuel before those set, then take the fuel. But if you can wake up and run a five to five miler and all out with no fuel, no water, which I've done countless numbers of times. But when you get started sitting a longer distance, I'll grab something. I want that training to be, to be as beneficial as it possibly can be. And if you're not... If you're not fueling for those training runs, they won't be as beneficial. Make sense? Protein. I look at a lot of runners, no offense to anybody that looks like this, my apologies for saying this, but you can eat more protein. The reason I say that is when you're running, your muscles kind of just, they get, they get soft. It's like, yeah, you're lean and yeah, you're, you're thin, but it's kind of like a skinny fat. It's like you flex your arm and it's, it may look all right, but then you grab it and you're like, oh, mashed potatoes or your legs or something like that. Yeah, you got the muscles to run, you got the endurance to run, but you need to take your protein to keep those muscles, to keep building those muscles and also strength training with your runs. It doesn't need to be every day like me. It doesn't need to be five days a week, two, three times a week. How long have we been working together, B? How long have you known me, B? I've known you since 2015, I believe, 14, 15. I've been injured? You've always kept it yeah. moving. I cannot think of a week that I've not known that you have been putting in work that I can't think of a week where you have not strength trained three to five plus days. Like that, yeah. uh, I know that you have done some impromptu on the fly. Hey, oh, a free thon bib. Oh, we'll get into that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that you go ahead and run because you, you are always ready on a dime's notice to be able to get up and get after it. So. so I eat the protein to help build these muscles and, and the carbs to repair the muscles or what have you. And I think that a lot of runners should do that. Yes, get your carbs. Try and get your carbs before the, before the race and during the race. Afterwards, eat a healthy amount of protein. 0.8 per body weight, per pound of body weight. I do 1.2 to sometimes two, depends on where my training is at or what have you. But protein, not just for aesthetics, but just to keep your, your, your body You'd be able to lift things. You need you need that protein. You need to lift to strike train, or else. And it, it also helps like all the muscles around the ligaments and everything keeps everything strong. And I, I haven't had a real injury where I thought, oh, I need to stop running in a very long time. And I'm talking a very very long time. I've had foot issues that have slowed me down from running. I've had back issues that have slowed me down, but I've never been. I'm injured. I can't run. I can't lift. And there's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Hurt, you can work through it injured you're done you gotta stop be smart and rest and I've, I've never been there before if you like our podcast then sign up for our newsletter where we give you weekly tips on how to run your best race and have fun in the process just go to racemob.com and sign up today great and we want you to continue with that overall wellness streak i would like you to give some examples as a lifelong not bodybuilding but building what did you with the term you I used build my body build a body build 
building your yes. body. You're not a bodybuilder. I don't want to, st- I don't want to step on stage, but right. I do build sure. my body. Yes, you do. But being able to blend the world of strength athlete and endurance athlete, what are some strength-based exercises, like two, three that are core? If someone's going to get into the gym one, two times, three times a week, or even working out from home, because some people, if they're just getting into strength training, may be a little self-conscious, sure. may feel intimidated getting into a gym setting. I know that you are not, you don't, at this stage, frequent going out to gyms because you have a fantastic gym at home. But for someone who's curious and realizes and hears the importance of strength training, what are some body weight movements? And then as they can start to layer in some some weight that you would suggest? Always number one is squats. Squats, whether it be with a barbell, with dumbbells, body weight, but not only the squat, but also getting your body used to squatting because I see a lot of guys and women that they may squat, but they're not going to depth. And unless you're injured or you have some kind of pain when you squat, you should be breaking parallel. This is just me saying this, but I think breaking parallel and opening up those hips have, not I think, I know that has helped me. That has helped me stay healthy after running hundreds of miles, after running ultras and after running this having being able to open up my hips chest up and squat down standing up squeezing the glutes all of that i'm getting all those muscles working and that has helped me so i'll start with squats for sure do squats it doesn't have to be crazy you don't have to put on a bunch of weight and be smart about it no ego and i wouldn't even if you're starting out i wouldn't even say do you know three reps or five reps no no no, no. i'm talking do 20 reps do a, do a set of 15 because what that's going to do is lower the weight you're not going to be able to do 15 reps with a set that you can only do three reps with. So lower the weight, forget your ego, and get that ass down. Chest up, ass down. Legs out. Squat. Squatting for sure. Step ups are good. Step ups and split squats. Bulgarian squats, split squats. And I say I say that that one in particular. That's the one where you put your foot behind you. It's on a bench. You step out and then you you uh, you lower your 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 back knee to the ground and stand back up. So you got one foot on the bench, one out in front of you. It's kind of like a lunge. But you just lower and that's going to light up your butt. It's going to light up your glutes. And if you love running uphill as I used to, you start to fly uphill. When other people are gassing out, you're like, oh, shit, this is some good stuff here. So those plus the step ups, both of them. I'm not saying they'll simulate going uphill, but it definitely helps going uphill if you incorporate those. And then add the squats in too. So for runners, and if you want to... Focus on other muscle groups, just the basics. It doesn't have to be crazy. No, no, no. Learn the basics. Learn how to bench press. Learn how to stack your joints. So here, when it comes down, everything, it's a piston going straight back. Your arm is a piston going straight back up. I understand that people can't really see that right now, the ones that are not watching, but you don't want your arm out here, out as you're benching, coming down, and now you have this angle that's going out. You want all your angles to go up. You want your joint stacks called stacking the joints. So learn how to do a proper bench press. Learn how to do proper curls without swinging. Learn how to lift without momentum and focus on that mind-muscle connection. But mainly check your ego. Just because you have somebody else that's starting out and they're stronger than you, good. Let them be. It's okay to have somebody else that's stronger than you around you. Just get your reps in though, but get your reps in. It's got to be, doesn't have to be, but high volume of reps to me is more as, as a, to keep yourself healthy, keep yourself moving. It's much more important than trying to do a set of three, a set of five, and trying to get stronger. Thank you for that. Excellent advice. Let's talk about JQ's 2022 road trip. Oh, my road trip. Moved to Texas. And when I moved to Texas, so I sold my house in California, for those of you that don't know. And uh, I thought, I've been working for 22 straight years. I need a break. So I sold my house, came out here, 
I got six months. I told myself six, seven months till the end of the year, whatever it is. But I wanted to do something epic with that time. I didn't want to just, I don't want to say wasted because I do have a family now. And so it would not be wasting it. But I did not want to look back on these few months and think, damn, I should have done something cool as hell. I had the time, I had the means, I had the support, I had it all. And now I'm back on the grind and I can't do it anymore. Damn, I don't ever want to be that guy, right? My original plan was to go from the Texas Capitol building that's in Austin. I was going to take all week and do this epic ride. And then I realized, when I said, but you need to really be able to ride a good 100 miles a day. Plus, 800, only seven days in a week. So that's more than 100 miles. So I ran out for a 100 mile ride. It was rough. I didn't change this game plan because uh, tomorrow I got to do this again. And then the next day I got to do it. Oh, no, let's change the game plan. And so I went, went to, me and my girl went to, we went to Mexico. And while we were out there, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do. I got to do something. This is in July. Time's running out. I'm thinking, oh, time's running out. I got to get this. Got to do something. So we got back and immediately I was like, oh, where's, where's a destination marathon? Oh, Portland. What? Okay. Let's go do Portland. Oh, wait, San Jose. That's a straight, and it's the next weekend? Okay. And so I started putting this, this road trip together. But before that, I was, I have to, I, I like driving to the races. And uh, rather than flying, so I had driven to Kansas once. I had driven to, uh, and this is all within the same time of this road trip. I had driven to Kansas, in fact. I had driven to uh, the Colorado Rockies, in fact. Ran a marathon in the Colorado Rockies. Drove to Houston. Failed there, but it was still a good time. Dallas. So I'm driving back and forth to all these races, weekend after weekend. And then it comes time for them to get going. And I thought, okay, let's go from Austin up to Portland, down to San Jose, back to Austin, drop off the dog. Because I took my dog with me for this uh, for this trip, as I did in college. And camping some of those. Oh yeah, yeah, from San Jose to Portland, I camped most. Of, I camped three out of the five nights, and then from Portland to San Jose, it was another two out of the five nights. So it was a good five nights of camping. Sleep? No. Comfortable? Nah. Did I smell? <laughs> Absolutely. But it's nobody else around but me and my dog, so it was good to go. Mm-hmm. And so drop off the dog in Austin, then drive up to to Detroit. And now, mind you, San Jose, I had to pace at 140 half marathon. That's a 738 pace. Nailed that. This is after the Portland Marathon. Nailed that one. Shout out to Ben. But then Detroit was a little bit slower. It was a little bit slower, so I could relax a little bit. 145. 145, that's an eight-minute pace. Nailed that one. Then came back. We had to get two weeks off before this past week. And what was the, the culmination of this road trip? What was this past weekend? For you, this past weekend should have been the one other, probably let's say the second easiest hundred miler that I've ever embarked on. But then going back to my advice for the marathon, you need to respect the distance. You need to train for some of those miles. And I had not; I had only gotten one fifty-mile run in, and that was three or four weeks before this one because that was a failed hundred-mile attempt. So I had, I'm 0 for 3 this year in 100 milers, for those of you that don't know, because I thought I've ran them before. I'm tough as nails. I can do this. No, 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 no. There are so many things that can go wrong in that distance, and you need to prepare for that distance. You need to look at the, not only the terrain, but what you're going to be running on. So I was, this past weekend, it was all crushed limestone. What it was is called the Kansas Rails to Trails 100 miler. They take the old railroads out, they gravel it. And so now you have, and then all the trees that have been planted around the, the around the railroad, they, they keep them there. So you're looking down this long, these long tunnels. When I say long tunnels, I mean, they're long tunnels of trees, man. You get done with them and you get done with one and then you get to the next horizon. You're like, oh, or you get to the horizon and you look and you see the next horizon and it's just a long tube of trees. It was an out and back 
I should not have been wearing the shoes that I wore. They were, I think, zero drop, and they were made for running in the, the, the mountains and uphill and downhill and all that good stuff. I should have been wearing road shoes. I should have been wearing road shoes. I did not realize that until I was talking to the race director afterwards, and it's like, well, yeah, a lot of people, this is more for road runners than it is for your average ultra marathoner that likes to run in the hills because it is out and back as fast as you can. At barely any elevation to it. But I'm not making any excuses how, why I failed or what have you. It's just, I did not respect the race. No, I respected the race. I did not respect the distance. The distance was, is, is something to respect. Should have wore better shoes. Should not have been sick and towed the line. It was just a lot of things. But yeah, it's just a lot of things. So this weekend, hey, take it on the chin. I'll be back at another 100 mile next year. Four W's right now, four L's. And hats off to you for having the courage and the will to sign up for not one, not two, but three in three months ultra marathons. Not, and we're not, you know, we're not uh, ultra marathon. The qualifying distance is a 50k, 31 miles. So you could have done that. You could have done a 50 miler, even a hundred k, 62 plus miles, 62, 62, 64 miles. But you said, but let's go big or go home because I wanted to. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of marathons sprinkled in there as well, a couple of half marathons and road tripping, all within a, a short amount of time. So a great bucket list. I mean. The, the roster of races for some people would be a roster of a lifetime, which you elected to take on on a couple of months. So, and there's a lot of lessons that you're sharing with us and that we will learn as coach athlete as we look to toe the line at future endurance events in 2023 and beyond. So, but I do want to get inside your head. Okay. Of course, when it all goes right, it's PR day. Like you had a great day in Modesto in March of this year. Great marathon effort, ran strong, negative split, PR, great to see. But even in that race, I'm sure there were moments where it wasn't easy, oh, yeah. where you had to, to draw on your mental toughness and then rely on the things you could control, pace, taking in nutrition, et cetera, et cetera. But more so on these ultra marathon events at the darkest moments, because you're not surrounded in those ultra marathons by teammates, oh, crowd, fellow participants there are so extended stretches when it's just you your thoughts darkness cold other elements pain anxiety fatigue and thoughts which in many cases can be a challenge in Absolutely. itself how do you fight through those bouts of hunger fatigue weather and then fighting against your mind and body edibles i like to take edibles when i run so I'll take the edibles. They'll, 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 they'll keep me focused. They put me in that flow state from mile to mile very quickly. And what is a flow state just for our, our, so, our listeners? To, to me, a flow state is just when you're running, you, nothing hurts. Everything's just going so smooth. You look down, you're at, let's say, mile five. You look down again, you're at mile eight. And you're like, where did those three miles go? And each, each mile, it may not even be faster than the last one, but it's just, you're just cruising. And it feels like it could go on for a very, very long time. Until you snap out of it and you're like, oh shit, I'm nine miles in now. I should be hurting. Oh, I am hurting now. And then it's like, I got to get back to where I was two miles ago in my head. And a lot of people, they deal with demons when they run. I, hey, we all do. The hunger, all that good stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's there. The edibles do add to it, the hunger. <laughs> I do want to eat a little bit mm -hmm. more, but which is good because when you're out there, you're able to take in those calories that you need that are vital when you're running these long distance, long distances. And you touched on being by yourself, there have been numerous, countless numbers of times that I've looked ahead of me, I've been able to see the trail for a good one, two, maybe three miles, especially on how 
how the terrain is, if it drops down or it sweeps back up and you can see off in the distance where that line is on that mountain. You're like, there's nobody there. I got really good vision with my contacts. There's nobody there. And then you turn and you look, there's nobody behind me. And so if you twist an ankle, if you hurt yourself in any, any way, if you're depleted on nutrients, you're depleted on hydration, you're depleted on anything, or you're just in, in this funky state where you're starting to panic, hey, guess what? Only you can save you. And I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, there have been times, there have been times where I called you up, help me, help me, me. I know there have been- Just a conversation, yeah, just a conversation. conversation. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, you've talked mm-hmm. me through the, you've unlocked it through the, through the phone, you handed me the key, I took that key, unlocked the door to the pay cave and stepped out. And a lot of times it's just a mental thing. You got so many miles to go and you're hurting this bad and you're this tired. I don't want to do this anymore. All you have to do is quit. All you have to do is stop and it all goes away. But you don't, you don't want to stop because you want that buckle. You want that medal. You want it. You want it. You want it. This is what you signed up for. It's like, how tough are you? This is what it's about. You put in all those miles. You put in that training. You did all this. You did all that. You did the research. You bought the shoes. You bought the plane ticket. You put the gas in. You drove there. You showed up. Show out. Let's go. Yeah. Admirable, courageous. And again, you could have made the choice after running Portland, running San Jose Rock and Roll Half Marathon driving all the way to Detroit, running, doing that half marathon, getting back to your family in Texas, saying, what? do I want to drive out of state again and toe the line for another ultra effort at the 100-mile mark? You did. You make that choice. And, and it tests our spirit. It tests our soul. But you also realize that JQ is not defined by a buckle. Are there more buckles and medals out there for you? Of course. But it's those life lessons we learn for ourselves that we're able to share with other runners, in some cases members of our family, young and old and the people that see you putting yourself out there and going for it because for some of us just getting outdoors jq and showing up for a workout is our ultra marathon because some people have so much shit going on in their life and it hasn't been easy for you okay you you when you lived here in california you didn't have a part-time job you worked your ass off 10 12 14 plus hours a day five six some cases more than that days a week and found a way to put in the work. I was very fortunate along with our good mutual friend, Nando Gonzalez to be there when you first completed yeah. your, your first hundred miler yes, and there, let's see that. I think way too cool was one of them. And then the rendezvous in uh, San Martin, California. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly at rendezvous, I mean, there were moments where it's like, man, and I looked at us, I was like, man, does our, does our boy have it in him? Yeah. Should we have a bit of intervention? Can he downgrade? and just get credit for 100k because it was hot as hell it was super hilly probably you were dehydrated had a prominent calorie deficit but you were so driven and motivated your pops came up you got north of 70 plus miles woke up to the final day the second half of the race with high temperatures and you managed to get a second wind and to see you cross that finish line running running was great man was great. And you crushed the uh, rendezvous race. So we have to talk about accountability buddies, running buddies. But for you, you've had the best running buddies of all in your pups, man. Yeah, man. It's been great to see. Uh, I want you to be able to pay homage and uh, have they have helped make you the runner, the, in, the, the athlete that you have been. And, uh, my first dog, you know, Dirks, man. Yep, deep breath. Yeah, right. no, so he was, uh, yeah, he, I had to run him. It started out as uh, it started out as having to run him. Then I wanted to run him, and uh, I train my dogs so that they're off leash and on voice command, not just come here, come here, come here, come here. No, 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 no. I say it once, 
and you're here. I do this one time, I give one command, and you better be on your P's and Q's, because if not, and you're not here, we're gonna have some issues. I don't beat my dogs or anything like that, but there is discipline actions that you can take. So I was running with him. Yeah, just I just, I, it became a love to run with him. Just having a dog off leash, running the streets of San Jose, all around. And now it's the same with Murphy. It was back, back in Cali, now here in Texas, now that it's cooled off off leash running on my hip we like los gatos creek trail it's a very popular trail out there near san jose los gatos off leash weaving in and out of dogs people's strollers and him being them being so focused on what i want them to do which is run in my side and forget everything else that's going around you don't run ahead of me you don't drop back you're at my side it helped uncover this passion for running these dogs helped uncover the passion for running. I must have been a runner at heart. I always enjoyed being disciplined with running or whatever. It's a little S&M, a little weird, I don't know. But I always enjoyed it, and now I love it. I love running, and they helped me discover that love for running. Had to talk about it, because the connection and the passion is very clear to anyone who knows you that you are all about your pups, now pup. And in that same vein, being part of a running community, a running group, club, tribe we've been very fortunate over, since 2015 to be part of a of a barrier running group that you've been very instrumental in helping people find their love of running you've paid it forward on multiple occasions by pacing events being part of people's longest distance first race distance first half marathon people have learned by your example when their own toughness and grit has been questioned internally they can say well heck this dude has done x y and z I can do this. I can take a little bit of JQ and use that get after it attitude to help them along their journey. How has being part of, I mean, of a, of a fitness family helped you as a runner? Just being involved in the community of runners, signing up for races, knowing that I'm going to see a few of them has motivated me to sign up for even more races because I'll see more people. And with my job or my, uh, my last job, running and being around too legit was my social hours, right? That, those were the times when I could be social because I didn't have time at the end of the day to have regular non-running friends. And regular non-running friends are great, but when I want to go for a run and there's a group going or these guys, these people are just going to be, let's go hang out. No, 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 no. I want to go for that run. And so being a part of a community really helps and a team it really helps, it really has really helped me be more social because... I get so locked into work and fitness and work and fitness and work and fitness and I get in my own little bubble and it's like, well, wait a second, there's other people that you can be doing this with. Go be with them for a little bit, you know? It's the same thing that we, when people go to CrossFit. You notice a lot of people that go to CrossFit, they'll end up, their, their best friends at that time will end up being the CrossFitters that they go with because they're doing it, it's like-minded, all that good stuff. And so it's just really helped, it's helped me become more social, it's helped me add more miles to uh, to my weeks, but it also has helped me. It's helped me with toughness in a way that I, I really think I need it because there are days when yeah, I don't want to run. No, 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 no. I want to relax. Well, guess what? It's day twelve. It's February twelfth, and guess what I got to do today? And then guess what I got to do tomorrow? And then guess what I got to reach by the end of the end of the month, which is the Taji one hundred. And so I'm tired and beat up from work and this and that, but everybody else is still running. So it's like, that's in our group. They're completing these 100 miles in February, and I got to do the same thing too. And so it doesn't matter who's tougher. We're all tough, so let's go get it done. And all, it also helped me realize that you can run every single day because there are people in our group that run every single freaking day. This whole thing about taking time off, yeah, 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 listen to your body, good. 
but you can still listen to your body and get the miles in on a daily basis. Depends on intensity level. Yep. Well said. What's next for you, JQ? Bucket list, taking off next month or two, still staying on top of your strength, game and lifting, pulling back on longer runs and endurance, pulling back on the volume and fine tuning as you look at kind of first quarter 2023 from a fitness perspective, what's on the horizon for so you? From now to the end of the year, I've tracked all my calories, all my, all my protein intake, calorie or uh, carb intake on all that. I've done it for years. And so I want to gain a little bit of size. I want, I don't want to uh, do very many long distance runs. And I want to say long distance run, I mean, eight up. I don't want to do that, that right now because I, all this traveling, all these races that I've done recently, it's taking a toll on me. And that's probably why I got so sick because I'm just not resting enough. And so, the goals would be to gain a little bit of weight, get my strength back because I have lost some strength. I want to, I want to get back to a 300-pound squat. I want to get back to 200-plus pound bench and push press in another 200 pounds and stuff like that. Because I'm not a big guy, but I'm strong. Show me how many ultra marathoners can squat 300 pounds. Not very many, right? And I, I love being in that, that small group. So I want to get back to that because I've gotten away from that. So I will be doing those workouts that I, that I talked about earlier, the lower reps, heavier weight workouts and then come the first of the year see what see how much i've ran in these past couple of months and then pick the miles back up because i have the austin marathon in february and the austin marathon in february i'm also hoping to do a 50k that month so and that'd be two nice solid races to start the year at you know a marathon and a uh, 50k to start the year in february great well we are thankful and grateful that you have taken time to share a little bit about yourself personally fitness wise and we're all going to stay tuned to how the rest of the year and 2023 unfolds for JQ. You are a great follow on Instagram. We'll have your handles embedded in the show notes. Anything else, parting comments you'd like to share with our audience, JQ? Yeah, I do. There's one in particular, and it's a, it's a pet peeve of mine, and I want to get this out there. Pain. Run through it. You can run through pain. You can run through pain. You're hurt. You can run through it. There's a lot of people. Be smart, though. Be smart, of course. There's a lot of people that feel a little bit, and they stop. And they're on this journey. They want to lose the weight. They want to do this. They want to do that. And there are a lot of talk, right? And they start, but they're waiting for an excuse to stop. They're waiting for an excuse to stop. So, oh, my knee, it's a little, it hurts. Ah, 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 I got it. I got a reason right here. Run tomorrow. Your knee hurts. Okay. Run the next day. How's the pain? Is the pain getting better? If the pain's getting better, you can run on it. You're, you're okay. Like you don't, you're not made of porcelain. The human body can adapt. It's, it's so crazy what the human body can do. So if you're running through pain, it's okay to run through pain. Don't run through an injury, of course. Be mindful. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy that can. T that I like to think of myself as pretty damn tough. And I don't expect everybody to listen to me, but there are people out there that need to hear this. You can run through pain. You can run through a little bit of a tweak. You can run through a little, and even if it means just dial it back just a little bit, but keep pushing forward, right? Don't look for a reason to stop your training. Because that's what, it, and a lot of times, that's what it comes down to. You clarified that we don't want to run through injury. And from my perspective here, this is a good way to close or to leave something more for round two of our conversation, because we'll definitely have you back in the future. If that's a town hall Q&A or video that we'll share via YouTube, but we'll definitely want to continue the conversation as we're following your journey. Run through soreness, soreness, pain that we feel is injury that's altering our gait, the way we move. We want to be mindful of that. You can run through being sore. You're going to be sore when you're being active, especially as you start incorporating strength training. We all know what delayed muscle doms. And we are stronger than we think we are. We are more resilient than we think we are. And can we get comfortable being uncomfortable? Can we grow 
from resistance? Can we grow from stress? Can we grow from adversity? And if if we've learned anything over the last two plus years through this pandemic is that we can get stronger as we work through some adversity and learn a lot about ourselves in the process. So with that said, JQ, thank you again. Thank Continued you, health and wellness. <laughs> We're going to stay tuned. Big things for you, fitness-wise and other on the horizon. So proud of you and grateful for your time. Yes, indeed, B. I appreciate it. And everybody, thank you for listening and everybody have a nice day. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.